are you? I mean, it's good to see you face to face. It is really good to be back in the box and in, in the smaller box. I know. You um, survived the COVID. Yes, yes, I survived it. Like, you know what? No, no, I don't see what the fuss is all about. No, no one cares about COVID anymore. I, I cared enough to have my son go, well, can you come out of your room? To which I went, mate, I'm allowed to now. He's like, no, but I couldn't when I had it. I know, it's all different. You can do whatever you want now with COVID. I just looked at him and went, sucko, teenager, that's what happens. Yeah. Boomer boy gets what he wants when he wants it. Yeah, that's a that's a through line for all boomers. Pretty much. And look, let's be honest, um, I've been looking a lot again at the whole Orcus thing because we're going to go back to our Orcus anthology. I know. And to be honest, a lot has been going on. Oh my God, there's it's been never some, ending. some lot of tanties going on, a lot of people <laughs> throwing their toys out of the crib yes. and all that sort of stuff. The crib, as we like to call the Senate. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, on the whole idea of I'm a white guy and I get what I want, there's been a little bit of ruction in Asia about the fact that Australia's suddenly been given nuclear subs and Korea is like going, excuse me, what am I, chopped liver? Yeah. So uh, let's unpack some more of let's this. Let's unpack some more. You're listening to I Spy, the nuclear waste of Australian intelligence. It's really kind of boring down here, the bottom of this cave. Mm-hmm. I can see everything because I'm glowing. Well, you've got a few million years to get used to. Is that an earthquake? Oh, there's water coming in. Uh oh. This could be bad. Uh oh. Hello and welcome to I Spy. My name's Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan, who is out of the blanket fort and back in the room with me. In I the don't, real world. I don't know who's winning in that scenario. I don't think it's me. We all are. But anyway, we did break down a little bit of the AUKUS agreement, particularly in regards to the submarines and what kind of submarines we're getting yeah. and whether the money was worth it. Yeah. But we had so much to unpack that we decided to make it a two-parter. And this week, a lot has been going on. So I think what we want to do is look at it from a security perspective. Got to what, do that. what does it mean yep. for Australia? But also, you know, there's been three Labor MPs who have broken ranks over this. And also a Greens. Was it Jordan? I mean, the Greens always break ranks. Jordan Steele, John yeah. popped. Um, Rex Patrick's gone. But he's also uh, interesting. I've read a lot of his stuff because he's an ex submariner. So he knows a lot about the whole, the, the whole right. situation. So the, the Labor concerns are that it's going to, the ones who have broken ranks, that it's not only is it expensive. It's very but expensive. But concerns over undermining our commitment to the nuclear non-proliferation. Correct. You got it right. The, the nuclear non-proliferation I know. Treaty. No, I was, more, I was more surprised that I said it yeah, no, without it stumbling because <laughs> it's the I've worst. Been, I practice in the car on the way over. Um, um, yeah, so we, we want to talk about that, but I also want to talk about how a re- part of the requirements of the AUKUS Pact is that Australia must store the spent nuclear reactors after the submarines are decommissioned and maybe even look at what England's currently really having issues with, with their subs. Yeah, well, the interesting thing, let's just, let's unpack it from the whole yes. nuclear proliferation Let's do the treaty. nuclear proliferation. The important thing about that is the treaty actually states that you cannot exchange nuclear technology for mm. anything other than peaceful purposes. Yes. Now, a lot of people are going, well, they're not nuclear arms, so it's not a problem. No. I'm sorry, it's a weapons platform. You're putting nuclear technology into a weapons platform. Yes. That kind of rubs against the non-proliferation 100%. treaty. 100%. Now, the 
we can legal our way out of this. Let's be perfectly honest. It's not impossible for us to go up in front of the the World Court at the Hague or yes. the UN or the EU or whoever we want and go, well, technically, we're not shooting the reactor at you. We're just using it to drive up to you. Yes. So we're using it in a peaceful way to then attack you. Now, that's the, the inelegant piece of sophistry that will mm. get us through that problem with the treaty. The other big problem is there are a lot of Asian nations that have gone, hang on, we've been asking for nuclear-capable subs for years. Why does Australia get one and we don't? Excuse me, he looks very white. Yes. I think is a lot of the reaction coming out of Asia at the moment. Which is fair. Which is it's fair. It's a fair assessment. It's a very fair assessment. Now, one of the things is Australia has always been there for the US. Mm-hmm. Right? If America says we're going to war, Australia says, how many of our SAS guys do you want? Yes. Quite literally, it's that's the way it's been for the last few weeks. And if the shoe was on the other foot, they would be there for us. We'd like to think so. There were a um, lot of people. Uh, I'm pretty sure they would. I mean, they, they would. Were, in they World would. War II, they were here. Now, the whole thing with that is, and we've got to keep this in mind as well, is we're also a part of the Five Eyes arrangement, mm-hmm. the other two being Canada and New Zealand, right? Now, New Zealand don't want them. And Canada also had a nuclear sub-program, and they basically turned around and went, this is too difficult and too expensive. Let's just go with with diesel electric and not worry about it. Well, they kind of really don't need to worry about it because America will always take care of them because they're attached. <laughs> Literally, yeah, <laughs> by the hip. Yep. Yeah. As I like to say, Canada is America's New Zealand, only it's literally stuck it's to a, the side. It's stuck to the side. So I, I doubt, I highly doubt America would allow anything to happen to Canada because oh. they kind of think of it as one of their own. Exactly. Well, well I think it was the F-22s or the F-16s that shot down the spy balloons. I mm. think the second time around, they shot them down over Canada. Yes, they did. <laughs> it's like, let's shoot them down over Canada way when they fall out of the sky it won't hit an American. So there's that. There's that really important thing where the Americans mm. are, are are looking after their own intelligence side, right? Which makes a lot of sense. Europe is not impressed. They've basically turned around and gone, hang on, again, why is this going on? And why the UK? And the UK's got problems. It's got some serious problems at the moment. I posted on the uh, Twitter feed at iSpy Podcast. At iSpy Podcast. There you go. I posted just last week uh, an article about how the new Ajax fighting machine, mm. right, their new sort of light battle armoured tanky type thing, um, it's way overdue, it's way over budget, and it doesn't work. It's In yep. fact, you've got to have hearing protection to ride in it. So it's like they've got problems with procurement, but then again, Everyone does. Yes. Right. This is one of the major problems. One of the big things when the whole thing of the Virginia class submarines being given to Australia, American Congress, the US Congress stood up and went, wait a, wait a second, we can't build them fast enough for ourselves. How are we meant to build them for a client country? Which then that's when the Americans went, well, if you chuck $3 billion in to fix our docks, we'll be able to build you our subs. Mm. So this is the thing that's going on. There's a lot of tension about yep. you know, beyond is this the right platform for us? Are we literally going to get them? And it comes down to that thing that was in the paper a couple of weeks ago in the Sydney Morning Herald about, you know, Peter Jennings from Aspie saying, three years, we're at war. And it's like, well, that those subs aren't going to be of any use to us. No. But what, part of the issue that the UK is having currently is they've got 21 former Royal Navy nuclear submarines that yeah. are, wa- are awaiting disposal. They're sitting on the, the, they're sitting at the dock waiting to be fixed up. Yes. Yeah. Well, waiting to be dismantled. Well, yeah. But the issue is that's costing them a shit ton of money. 
Look, just having it sitting by the by the dock is a lot of money, a lot of money. To dismantle that is an even greater amount of money. Yes. And then that little reactor. Now, let's talk about nuclear waste, shall we? I know you're just champing at the bit to do yes. this. Yes. So, I w- like the small reactors, they are, we should mention, they're sealed up. Yep. They are contained. Yep. And they themselves do not represent a great hazard. No. But maintaining and dismantling them safely is the hazard. The shit inside them yes. is the problem. Now, yes. um, put it this way, Lucas Heights has what's called an opal, an open pool reactor. It changed from the old reactor that ran for 50 years. We got 50 years worth of waste. Yeah. Right. Now, that 50 years worth of waste would fill two Olympic swimming pools. It's not that much when you think about it. Over 50 years, that's not a lot of stuff. Mm. And luckily, the French went, we'll have that. And the French took our nuclear waste, took all of the stuff they could use out of it. So the the non-depleted uranium, the non-depleted plutonium, they extracted it and then they called what they vitrified it, which yep. is they put it in glass. Yeah. Right. And then they sent it back to Australia and went, that shit's yours to deal with. Now, the thing with the uranium, the plutonium, all this sort of stuff, it has a half-life of something like 200,000 years. Mm. It takes 200,000 years for it to halve its radioactivity, right? So this is something that we're going to, when we store it, we're going to have to store it for a long time. Mm. Now, to get rid of high-grade waste, and there's not a lot of high-grade waste, like out of all the waste from an, a, a nuclear reactor, 95% of it is low yield. Yes. So it's it's gone. Like it, literally it's pretty much gone by the time you take it out of the cooling pool. Yeah. But the 5% that is high yield, that contains 95% of the radioactivity. That has to be vitrified. So it has to be like you have to extract what you can from it if you're going to recycle it. Mm. If not, you vitrify it. You seal it in glass. Then you seal it in rods. Then you seal it in containers. Then you seal it in other containers. And then you seal it in an underground vault. It's like one of those little dolls. One of those little little babushka dolls. Yeah, Yeah. the little babushka doll. Only when you get to the middle of it, you die. (laughs) It's kind of like a gift that you know Putin would give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Keep opening. Keep opening. Keep opening. Here you go, Navalny. Have another one. Right, and Navalny goes, "I'm sick again." And in the gulag. Right. So that's one thing we've got to consider. Now, the Americans do not have a facility to put their stuff. So where are the Americans putting They're it? They're just leaving it, you know, next giving to it to the, India. Yeah, next to the no, they've just got it sitting next to their reactors. <laughs> oh my right? god! The British don't have anywhere to dispose. No, of this which stuff. is hence the reason why they've got twenty-one subs just sitting there waiting to be dismantled. Exactly to the tune. I think it's cost them something like over the last ten years five hundred million pounds just to sit there. Just to sit next to a dock yeah. doing nothing. Yeah. Right? So this is a major, major problem. Now, one of the things that's come up, and of course, this has got quite a few of our Labor and Greens mm. members up in arms. And interestingly enough, there was a, a meeting in um, in the Marrickville branch of the Labor Party, which is in Graindler, yeah. which is Albo's electorate, yeah. where they turned around and went, no, we do not want AUKUS and we do not want nuclear submarines. And basically, Albo had to sit there and go, okay. Thanks, guys. Letting, thanks for letting me know. But yeah. we're moving on. Now, that's the big problem is the British and the Americans have basically said, well, you're the most tectonically stable and geo, like geologically stable area we can think of. Mm. So can we just bury our stuff in your backyard? The problem is we've got to find a place to bury it. Well, we've got a lot of land I'm pretty sure we can find that is uninhabitable already. I'm pretty sure we can find somewhere. Yeah, like Woomera is one of the places that's Mm. been put forward. But the problem with Woomera is Woomera is also regarded as, you know, Indigenous land. So there is the problem of the whole Indigenous land title issue, which is going to kind of cause a lot of difficulty for these people. So what we're facing at the moment is we've got 
a rebellion in the ranks. Now, what I find interesting about this is a lot of people, I think, what was it? Phil Khoury had a headline last week, which was, Orcus courses are raucous in caucus. Which I thought... <laughs> Pretty good. Dude, I'm, I'm with that. Nice bit of alliteration. We're big tick for you, Phil. And it was all about how, oh, look at the Labor Party. They can't keep control of themselves. The last government we had didn't even tell its own ministers what was going You're on. Right. And also, they I mean, if you look at the robo-debt situation, they outwardly they openly lied to the Australian population about what was going on and then turned around and said, well, we had to do that because the rules are we're not allowed to say something against it. Mm. So in a, in, a, in a sense, we have, yes, there is a rebellion in the caucus for what it's worth. Is it a rebellion that's going to change the decision? No, there's not enough, right? So they're, they're basically they're looking at putting the facilities on defence land. Yeah. So when we look at defence land and what sites are problematic and not problematic, they would definitely want it to be away from... It's got to be away. Well, that is, again, in the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, mm. you can only store it away from people and away from the water table. Yeah. You've got to keep it away from your aquifers because if it gets into your aquifers, you're screwed. Yeah, you absolutely. And, and while Woomera is mentioned and a potential candidate, as yeah. we were discussing, it's still kind of an operational base. It's not It's really. an operational area. You don't yeah. really want it in there. You, look, there's going to be... A a, a spot somewhere they can put it. Yeah. It's just convincing the people that that own it. And I'm not just talking about native title. I'm talking about the state that owns it, the local council that owns it, everybody, every stakeholder in that piece of land that owns it. You've got to convince all of them that, yeah. hey, guys, we're going to drill a shaft a mile deep and dump a whole bunch of glowing stuff at the bottom of it. Is that cool with you? And yeah. that's not an easy conversation. No, for it's not an at. easy sell. Right. So there's that's the difficult sell with the the waste, right? So we've got this big problem. Yeah. And it's not a problem that's going to be simple to solve. And no. it is going to require a debate in parliament, which is one of the other things that a lot of the naysayers have said is where's the debate? Where was the point where we turned around to the population and went, This is what we're doing? What do you reckon? Yeah. We didn't do that. And interestingly enough, I mean, the big thing, Keating brought it up. Quite a few people have brought it up. It was a 24-hour decision. Like the announcement was made and within 24 hours, Albo turned around and went, you know, AUKUS was announced by Morrison and 24 hours later, Albo went, we're in behind it right now. Politically, it was astute because you don't want to get wedged on defence by Liberals because once you're wedged in defence, you're screwed. But I think also... Both sides, and why this is a strong bipartisan approach to AUKUS, both sides can see the reality that we actually really need this. Yeah, we really need it. From a really defence perspective, we really need it and it makes absolute sense. Yeah. Now, here's the problem with that is the big problem we've got now in Australia is the problem with the ability for the Defence Department to actually get shit done. Right, and then so I think the – is it Rolls-Royce that are making the subs, some of the nuclear subs? I think they're um, – um, No, it's BAE, I think. Is oh, make, British is, Aerospace, British yeah. British Aerospace is involved. Yep. I think you'll find Lockheed Martin's involved. Like, yeah. It's going to go across multiple platforms. But I think I think BAE even like said, send people over. We will train them in our facility over here. That's going to have to happen, right? Yes. That's beyond – before we even start thinking about building – and we haven't – don't forget, we haven't even designed these bloody boats. Yet. That's the most important thing. Mm. We are building a bespoke boat and not just building a bespoke destroyer or frigate or cruiser. We're building a submarine. We are building a spaceship. Yeah. Right. So the, the, the technology that goes into building one of these things, the engineering is absolutely phenomenal. And when you throw a reactor in there, it's you've just 
it's gone up an order of magnitude of difficulty. Now, the problem we have is Australia has this habit of going, we want this very specific kind of thing and we will need it designed this way. Yep. And by the time, 10 years later, we're still waiting for someone to show us the design. That's a real issue for the Australian Defence Department. The number of projects that have cost us billions for nothing to be delivered right. is really beyond the pale. And this is something that Richard Miles, as Defence Minister, is really going to have to get on top of. And whoever, I can't remember the name of the minister, the Minister for Defence Material. They are really going to have to have a very strong whip hand to make sure that Defence get the job done. Because... We the whole submarine replacement thing started in two thousand and nine. Yeah, it's two thousand twenty three. Oh no, we've been talking about this for a very long <laughs> we've time. Got we've already spent a shit ton of cash <clears throat> on a deal that never eventuated. Yeah, exactly. Right. So we're 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 down at the moment. We're down on procurement. Yep. Our helicopters. We didn't get out the, the helicopters that were meant to come through. Interestingly enough, I spoke to somebody involved in the Sea Sprite helicopter procurement. This was the brand new mm-hmm. one that was going to replace the the King um, Huey, the big heavy lifting helicopters. And essentially they walked in and said, I can save you $2 billion on this project right now. You spent a billion dollars, I can save you another $2 billion straight away. And they went, how do you do it? He went, we stop the program right now. Right. And literally the defense went, what do you mean? He went, this is never going to work. The way you're trying to do it, you're trying to take old airframes and restructure and rebuild and bespoke. And it's like, just buy yourself a bunch of Blackhawks and be done with it. Right, so this is the problem. We have a problem in defence, and defence is not the most like it's an easily corrupted ministry. It's, it's, yeah, there's so much money floating around in there that it gets redirected. There are people with vested interests, and this is the problem we have: is do we have a defence department that can carry this off? Because Miles has said this is too big to fail, and it is. If it fails, Australia looks like an absolute Charlie to the rest of the world. Well, I think the problem has been that successive governments have dwindled down our defence spending and our defence forces. They've privatised huge swathes of them. And the problem is now we're just going, well, what the fuck? We don't really have a defence strategy. Yeah, this is the problem. It's become a for-profit organisation. And it's not a for-profit organisation. Government should not be for-profit, right? Government should be for service, right? And the problem is our services are being run down. Yes, and what, and over the past 20 years, you know, we've had India, Singapore, Malaysia, Japan, Korea, and China all modernizing and expanding their submarine fleets, yep. spending money on this, yep. and we've just, we've had Collins class ups. We've had a Collins class, <laughs> which again, as we've said, they yeah, are yeah. an excellent boat, but they're getting on. And you know, you cannot run these things forever. They will, yep. they, they must be replaced. This is the big thing. We're, we're sort of like going, you know, We've now got the life extension program. Yes. Right. Because we're not going to have subs for 10 years. Well, we don't get to see a, a Virginia-class submarine until, what, 2030s. Yeah. Right. So we need these things to last. And don't forget, for every three submarines, you can only have one in the water. So at the moment, we can only have two Collins-class subs in the yep. water. Now, when we get three Virginia-class submarines, we can only have one in the water at any time. Yeah. Right. Because you've got the, the triad of, of rotation. You've got one on, yep. on station, one returning and maintaining and the crew being relieved and one building up to go out on station yeah. while the one on station comes in. So it's a rotation. And the problem we've got is at the moment we just don't have enough assets. But we yeah. don't have enough crews for the six we've got anyway. And I, and I read a really interesting interview with a Commodore and he was saying, you know, look, if there's an undersea arms race in the Indo-Pacific, we're definitely not leading it. No, 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 no. no. And that moving in this direction is what will bring us back onto something like a level pegging for a lot of the things that 
that we need to deal with. And, you know, he's saying, yes, it's going to take some time, but, you know, that's that's time that we we need to spend. If we're going to do it, we need to do it right and we need to do it once. That's the big point is at the moment we've gone through – we had – we had the Collins class and then we had the yep. 2009 decision we need new uh, new subs and then we had the Japanese ones under Abbott and then the French ones. Yep. Now we've got AUKUS and it's like we keep making up our mind and then breaking contract. Yeah. Right. And that doesn't look good to the rest no. of the world. They're like going, come on, guys, make up your mind. So basically the political rhetoric has run pretty hollow because all we've done is made deals and broken deals yeah. and nothing has really kind of gone forward. But this trilateral deal has some real weight to it. It's got heft to it simply because, A, the two big dogs in the room. So we've got America, mm. which is the big dog, and we've got the UK that used to be a big dog. I, I do... <laughs> I love. There was a great movie. I can never remember the movie, but there was um, basically how it's a movie about how this guy realised that British defence was absolutely screwed. So we made up a, a video, like a movie with all of mm. these, like with miniature weapons of war, yeah. machines of war, and sold it as this is what the UK now own, right? <laughs> and it's this big propaganda thing. But the, I remember the VO of the video was like, you know, the British bulldog may have lost its teeth, but it can still give you a nasty suck. Right? <laughs> and to me, that really is the British at the moment. They're really yeah. like they, they are economically, they're in a really, really, really bad way. They are. And Ameri- but we're not. We're not. Now, but the problem is how long are we not going to be in a bad way? We've got a trillion dollars of debt staring down. You know, it's, we're looking at a trillion dollars by next year, mm. right? It will be officially a trillion dollars. Now, we're going to now throw a 386, and I'm sorry, and I'm not alone. I've noticed from a lot of commentators that it's going to be It's half 368. A, 368. It's going to be half a trillion. Yeah, but look, here's the thing. In terms of a long-term strategy for our region, like the the regional political and military ramifications of this bode well for us. Like this is – I feel like the majority of people can see this as – Something that's good. And if you don't, then you don't understand the position Australia is currently yeah, in. Yeah, now now let's talk about the security ramifications. Okay, because I think this is really important. I don't think I don't think enough people are talking about it. They're not. Now the interesting thing is, and as someone said, you know, as Keating said, we're now the last link in the chain to yes. contain China. The interesting thing about that is, as somebody pointed out, what well, China don't really need containing because they're all of their force, all of their projection, their national projection, isn't force projection. It's economic and intelligence. Mm. It's espionage, yes. right? So they're projecting themselves into Africa. They built two bases: one in Djibouti and one in Niger, not Niger, um, Cote d'Ivoire, or one of the Western African countries. I can't remember which one. They built potential military bases right. in these two areas, right? Plus one in Bangladesh. America has 186 bases around the world. Yep. And America has been in a number of conflicts over the last 50 years, not quite successfully. China invaded Vietnam, I think, in the early to mid-80s. And like everybody else that invades Vietnam, had its ass soundly spanked. Yeah, the Vietnamese. You don't want to mess with them on their land. Don't. They mess. know what they're doing. Right. Now, the whole thing about Vietnam is America went to Vietnam because mm. the French lost the India China, you know, lost into China, and then there was the domino effect. Yeah, right? but like the French and Vietnamese cuisine was a real win oh, because look at the bread we God get. <laughs> I've got a Vietnamese baker that lives near us. His oh. bakery caught fire. Well, the, the shop next door caught fire and he's shut down and my wife is just like, I need it. 
you, for the croissants. When, whenever you go to Vietnam and the French influence in the food, you're just like, oh my God, I know this was sad, but it's so right. It's so good. <laughs> now, but the thing is, the Vietnamese are fiercely proud, fierce and fiercely nationalistic. They oh. will hold on to their country for, for love or money. Oh my God, I remember like we would we were in Vietnam and this was, we were in the demilitarized zone, just we were like going yeah. through. And the like people still hate people there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the looks you get still. Yeah, now the like the the interesting thing is the whole uh, like Long Tan, the Battle mm. of Long Tan, which is a mm. huge battle for Australia. And you know, when Australia went, we want to have a commemoration, and the Vietnamese turned around and went, no. Now we've built a memorial in yep. the Long Tan rubber plantation, yep. but we went, we want to go and lay a wreath, and the Vietnamese no. went, no, no, sorry, this is our country. We, yep. you may have won that battle, we won this war. Yeah. Right. Now the the interesting thing about that is the whole domino effect. If Vietnam falls, Laos falls, Cambodia falls, yep. Thailand, and everything. The well, it didn't happen. No. Because the Vietnamese went, we want Vietnam. That's what we want. Yes. Now, China- They're kind of like Ukraine. Yeah. Now, here's the interesting thing. One of the things that they've said is about 75 to 80% of Chinese oil comes from overseas. Yep. Particularly, it comes from uh, the Persian Gulf. It comes from Aden. And it comes from, funnily enough, about 9% of it, America. Yeah. Go of there. course. Because the Americans won't. Americans have oil fields. No, we're going to sell them to you. Right. Now, the whole thing about that is that's a really easy bottle to, to close, right? You, you know, I mean, and as people say when we talk about the American submarines, mm. people, Australia's contribution to uh, the American military profile is yeah, when, when we get all of these subs, if and when we get our five Virginias and our eight AUKUS subs, it's still only going to add to about 5% of the military American naval undersea assets. The yep. big thing is in the Indo-Pacific, it will add 25% because even though they've got lots of subs, most of them are in the Atlantic and in the Indo uh, around Persian Gulf. Now, they can shut down the Straits of Hormuz. Singapore, they can shut down the Straits yep. of Malacca. Our job would be to shut down the Straits of Lombok and Makassar. So basically the Chinese can't get oil, right? Yeah. And as soon as you take oil out of the equation, China's screwed. Now, here's the thing China has done recently. Xi Jinping got a red carpet reception in Moscow. Oh, my God. Also, I didn't realise how small Putin was. Oh, he's a little He's bloke. really tiny next yeah. to Xi Jinping. And I was like, hmm, like it, like it was very weird. Small man syndrome. <laughs> it was like yeah. really small. Little men are megalomaniac. Also, um, very interesting side note. I saw someone put up pictures and they're like, which one's the real Putin? And like... <laughs> No, because like there were three people and they were like they were visiting places a day apart. Yeah. And they're all different. Yeah. So mm. it's like he's got a lot of lookalikes out that there. That would not surprise me at all. It's that, so crazy. One of the anyway. interesting things, and remember when we were speaking to Misha earlier on this year, uh, mm. he basically, the whole thing was China used to be the client state, you know, the vassal yep. of, of Russia. Now it is literally the other way around. Yeah. Xi Jinping was talking about it's great to be visiting our junior partner. <laughs> right. But the Putin thing is, he's there now. What's yes. one thing Russia's got that they can't sell at the moment? Yes. Oil and gas. <laughs> Both. <laughs> right? Fossil fuels. Yes. So all they need to do is there's – I think there's about a 1,000 kilometre stretch of land they put a pipeline over yeah. and boom, China can turn around and go, you can keep all the oil from the Persian Gulf in America. We don't care. Yeah. We don't need it anymore. Yeah. Right? So the whole idea of containment is just – for security reasons, we get it. Yeah. But the whole thing is China has literally gone, 
there's workarounds, kids, and we'll figure them out. And from a security perspective, look, nuclear subs do have like that kind of stealth and endurance and the range. Mm. You know, they can operate as a deterrent, but also as an offensive strategy. Oh, as an offense, yeah. Now that's a point that a lot of people have because said is, everyone kind of thinks like when you build something defense-wise, it's because we're going to try and fight people. Yeah. No, offensively, this makes sense. Well, that's a point that Keating made, and a few mm. other people have made, is the fact that we're not a force. Pro- we should not be a force projection no. nation. We shouldn't be the ones going to look I for get a fight. That. We should be the ones sitting back, going, "Don't mess with us," right? And I see. I I do. I personally, I don't see the point in force projection. I. I think it's antagonistic and unnecessary, mm. but sometimes you need to be antagonistic and this. Un, you know, and here's the thing: Australia's never these fought are, a war here. These are antagonistic and unnecessary times, though. Oh, exactly. Look, everyone's <laughs> getting baited. Everyone it's, is. It's frustrating. Yeah. Now, and it, you know, a, a submarine is a great thing for projecting special forces into a theater of war. They're very yeah. good for intelligence gathering. Yeah. And funnily enough, the smaller and the quieter the sub is the better they are. Yep. It's called literal action, which is stuff on coastlines, where it's, you've got shallow draft, you need to have a smaller boat. Now, the thing is, this is an, this is another point that's come up, is a lot of people have also turned around and said, yes, but everyone's working on, I think Richard Miles described it a number of times in interviews, as lifting the veil of the sea. Oh, the veil of the sea. Lifting the veil oh, of the sea. She's which mysterious. Is, we're going to be able to see through and find your subs anyway. We yeah. don't care how quiet the sub is, we're going to be able to look through the water yes. and see it. There's a really big problem with that. We know more about the surface of the moon than we do about the floor of the ocean. Yeah. Because there's all of that water and that tends to make it hard to see. There's a great example of a US sub that had to go back to the States because it ran into an undersea mountain. Yeah. Right? Right. In the South China Sea. Now, you would think that in the South China Sea, we know every rock, pebble and coral Don't they reef. use sonar to like kind of work out what's in front of them? Uh, but here's the thing. If you're running silent, you can't run your sonar because oh. sending a ping out basically says to everybody in the I'm area, I'm here. I'm right here, everybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you don't want to do that. If you no. want to listen to what's going on, you send out what's called a, a passive sonar yeah. array, which is a little piece of string that goes out the back of the boat beyond your battle. So it goes right. beyond your But your it doesn't propellers. tell you that there's a big rock in front but of you. But it doesn't tell you there's a big rock. So you've got to depend on your charts. Yes. And here's the other thing is, Despite the fact that it's it's the surface of the earth, mm. right? It's it's rock. It changes, all right. You know, shifting vol- plates, yeah, shifting <laughs> plates, and volcanoes yes. and all this sort of stuff. And you it know, you happens. have an undersea seismic shifts. Seismic shifts. It happens all the time, like especially around in our area in the Indo-Pacific. With yeah. there's always a lot. There's like always alerts for you know tidal warnings yeah, and stuff like that. Tsunami warnings yep. and earthquakes and you know what happened in Tonga, an entire island just yep. exploded exploded and disappeared. Yes, yes. I mean, we went to Tectonic Bora. Tectonic plates are always moving. Yeah, we went to Bora Bora and we're sitting on Bora Bora, which is the caldera of a, like mm. the entire island is the, the top of a volcano. Mm. And I was like going, gee, I wonder if this was, it would erupt. And then I went, hang on. And you look at the island chain on a map and you realise every island is a caldera. Yeah. It's bubbled over. It's like basically the tectonic plate's gone over this hot spot, mm. volcano's created, and then it's just slid off and become a mountain. Great. Right, so here's the thing: as much as we say it's, we're gonna we're gonna see to the bottom of the sea. Good freaking luck. That's really hard to look through. Well, maybe we'll find MH17. Maybe we'll find MH17. I don't know. Maybe we'll get down there and we'll find <laughs> the spaceship from the abyss. Yeah, maybe. Uh, all right. So this is the thing. Okay. It's like, so let's wrap it up because wrap it up. I feel like we're part two. We've covered some serious ground. Security. 
nuclear There's one security issue we haven't looked at, and it's China has basically turned around and gone, right, now you, if you're going to do okay, this- Okay, give me the elevator pitch right, then. You're the target. Okay. Right, they've, and like uh, the Americans have got the Marines up in Darwin, right, that makes us a target. We're going to have two sub-pens on the east and west coast of Australia with nuclear submarines cycling in from the UK and England, mm. plus our own. You're a target. Now, I don't think the people of Fremantle, which is why Josh Wilson got up because he's the mm. the rep for Fremantle, went, I don't want this in my backyard. And the people of Port Kembla have also gone, uh, excuse me, did anyone ask us if we wanted a submarine pen here? That would technically, if we wound up in a war with China, China is going to go, right, let's get rid of the sub-pens first so they can't dock. Yeah, I'm right? okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry, Port Campbell. My parents are from Wollongong, and you know what? I, I love you, and I don't want anyone to nuke you, right? <laughs> That's a terrible attitude to have towards your neighbours down south. So, look, yeah. bottom line is AUKUS is a subject that we're going to be talking about a lot. I, yes. I, I'd really not like to talk about it next week simply because no, there not. is so much else to talk about. Yeah, we'll talk about other stuff because a lot has been happening while AUKUS has been going while on. While AUKUS has been going on. But essentially the bottom line is this. We're going to have a problem with the waste. We're going to have a problem with the money. We're going to have a problem with the neighbours. We're going to have a problem with the Chinese. And we're going to have a problem with ourselves. But we have new subs. But we're going to get new choice to drive underwater Yay. and probably into a mountain. Let's hope not. <laughs>